0: To a very special episode of this year' podcast that we have decided to call Star Wars. <laughs> Star Starless Wars, Star Wars. It technically it should be Star Warsless, should it? But that doesn't that doesn't no. scan. That very doesn't. Well. it doesn't sounds no. like
1: we're lacking in Star Wars. Star
0: Warsless, Star-less. Starless Wars, Starless Wars. Yeah. Star-less Wars. yeah. Hmm. Hi, I'm joined by Laura. A clunky. <laughs> 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 And I'm joined by Abby. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Matthew. You can guess I didn't say it. Who knows? So ha- we- this is our festive. We don't have anything else to talk about, and we want to talk about this thing. Happy life day to all and to all. <laughs> day life. Um, we're going to be talking about Andor, which is the most recent Star Wars series for various reasons. Well, normally, we would be here talking to you about all that marvelous. Marvel series uh, and the movies, but because there aren't any out, and we have had many thoughts to bring up, we thought, let's let's do a special December recording all about Andor. So, there's two things I think we need to cover. One is what we thought of Andor, and two is what we think of Star Wars. I think the second of those is probably where to start, because it might inform the second. So, Abby... The, the brief the elevator pitch of you and Star Wars so play.
2: the elevator pitch of me and Star Wars and being that I proposed that we do this what you'd think I would have done is um, put it in a nutshell <laughs> but stick with me kids while I try and <laughs> be brief um, so I saw Star Wars. I think probably the first time I saw Star Wars was when they put all three of them on television for the first time. So like the first time the third one was on British telly. I can't guess what year that was, but I suspect that is the first time I saw them. I knew that they were a thing. I knew the names Luke and Leia. I had a vague idea that there was a thing with some space and a guy with a breathing scenario. And that was all I knew. Situation. Yes, and also at this time in the UK, of course, we had the wonderful Ewoks cartoon, which some people may remember. Um, I was a fan. I love an Ewok. And there's a whole episode of Spaced, which um, I remember better than I remember any of Star Wars, which um, posits that uh, if you like Ewoks, you're a very certain kind of person. And if you don't like Ewoks, you're a different kind of person. Than that. I'm on Team Ewok. And uh, so by the time I'd watched all three Star Wars films, I was quite struck by the middle one. It had a very interesting plot twist that I had not seen before in, in plot. And I was a child who enjoyed plot. And, and I noticed, I thought, oh, some plotters happened happened. I didn't see that coming. That was great. That was very exciting. <laughs> um, the first film's got Alec Guinness in it, which even as a child was also a very good thing for me. Love Alec <laughs> Guinness. Big fan. And the last film, of course, had Ewoks. And all, really, I retained from those films is Alec Guinness, Plot Twist, and Ewoks. And um, I got through my school years and just didn't understand what people saw in Star Wars really and they would talk about it a lot I think it's really interesting how much people talked about Star Wars but in a very particular kind of way and lots of people wouldn't sort of say that they were fans of Star Wars but they sure had thoughts and I don't really understand how people had so many thoughts but anyway they did then the prequels came out and I was a big fan of Ewan McGregor and I have an enormous collection of merch And uh, recently I discovered my collection of Pepsi cans With Ewan McGregor's face on them (laughs) From the release of Star Wars The Phantom Menace Quite valuable now actually So that's nice Mm. for paying rent in this day and age Um, Anyway, I have a lot of merch And I know a lot of lines from the film Because I had a watch that said lines from the film And also my wife had a Stormtrooper door guard There's a lot of lines I know from film Because there was merch that said the lines My formative years on the internet Were spent in Phantom Menace fandom So I know a lot of specific things about people's hairstyles. Not really sure what happened in the films. I did see them all. I've seen them a lot. I don't know what happens. And sometimes when we've been drinking and run out of conversation, people ask me to explain Star Wars to them. And I do, and they think it's hilarious. It's better than explaining Winter Soldier, I can tell you. Anyway... Anyway, then they made 7, 8 and 9 and 8 I really liked. I thought it was brilliant and then of course we had the internet ruining things for the rest of the class and I thought, well, that's it. I, that was my chance to become a Star Wars person and I guess I'm just not. And I was okay with that and I'd made my peace. I'd not been a Star Wars person for all my life and had just taken the bits I liked and the merch that was good. Then they made The Mandalorian and things changed. And finally... I began to understand that there was a universe and a plot and actually something maybe had happened in these films because it it seemed to have had an effect and this was something about consequences and the Mandalorian was an interesting... Oh, look, I wonder what a Mandalorian is. And there was a baby Yoda and he was much better than the big one and all of this and the merch was good. And somehow I was just much more interested. So I think my relationship with Star Wars has been so peripheral with very little understanding of the story and why anyone would be interested in it until the Disney Plus series changed this. And then we'll get to Andor. Hmm. But that's my weird history of Star Wars.
0: Thank you very much. Uh, Laura, can you step onto the elevator, please? <laughs> Press the ground floor, and write it back down, and give us the same sort of
1: explanation. Um, I don't remember the first time I watched Star Wars, because I think it was just kind of there. Mm-hmm. I I think it was on on bank holidays I think they used to repeat it in the same way they yeah. did with Bond films mm-hmm. um, and I was just looking up and it first premiered in the UK in 1982
2: well
1: I was um, born that year <laughs> yeah so the first one it did anyway so I have a really strong image in my mind of seeing watching TV in a stormtrooper running across it as like an early memory uh, and I I liked it, but then I wasn't really into kind of geeky stuff as a kid. Now I don't know if that's because it wasn't really okay to be, particularly as a girl. I don't know, but um, it, I mean, I don't remember having a traumatic childhood because of that. Um, but then when they did the re-releases in, uh, I want to say, when did they do the remasters? Oh, one I say,
2: ninety eight.
1: 90, yeah, yeah, maybe ninety-seven, ninety-eight. Yeah. That's when I first saw one at the cinema. Mm. Um, yeah. To, I think I saw all of them at cinema. And the experience of having the um, Star Destroyer come over you at the beginning of A New Hope mm-hmm. was epic. Um, and then I remember being really excited about The Phantom Menace coming out because this was new Star Wars. Uh, and I went to cinema, and I came out and I was like, I'm really not sure what I thought about that. And that was kind of my approach to quite a lot of the prequels. But I am very much, you know, always would go and see them when they come out of the cinema. But I wouldn't say I was massively a fan, because I still had not really gone back to my uh, geek roots. And uh after that, not really a lot of interest. Um To be honest, there wasn't really a lot going on. Um, until the sequel trilogy. Really liked the first two of those and was was incredibly excited. You know, would not watch the trailers because I wanted to see it. uh, Not quite opening night because I wasn't that obsessed. But I wanted to see it at the cinema and went to all of those with my family as well. It was like our Christmas thing to go together. Um, My father now quite regularly, despite having no dementia or anything, will say... um, Oh, that, uh, that Star Wars one I've not seen at the cinema is on, um, on ITV or something. And I'm like, dad, you've seen all of them in the cent- We <laughs> went w- when it came out. What are you talking about? Um, so this is why I have now made this connection that my dad is, dad is like Abby. Um, <laughs> and they're in fact the same person. <laughs> and the fact that I told him three months before, they're all on Disney Plus that you can log into mm-hmm. here. But hey, uh, so, and then. With Disney Plus, I loved The Mandalorian, loved it. I had a not great reaction to the um, ninth film, did not enjoy that one um, and was incredibly excited for it. And just, it's the first time I've sat watching a Star Wars film in the cinema, literally rolling my eyes to myself because I didn't want to ruin it for anyone else, but just, oh! and now with time having watched it a few times, it's fine now, but I just was very disappointed. Mandalorian, loved it. Absolutely loved it. Was very annoyed that we were spoiled on Baby Yoda because of the timing of Disney Plus coming out here. But um, loved that. And then we had, what was it? Uh, was it Obi-Wan after that? No, it was Boba but Fett. Boba Fett. Which was not good, other than the Mandalorian like episodes. And then on to Andor. Mm. Which we will go on to in a minute. Yeah, so it's kind of always been in my life. Um, I went to a very cool exhibition in London in my 20s when uh, oh. they had a lot of the props, uh, original props and everything. So I must have still been interested then.
2: Where was that? But did I uh, we go
1: to that? Abby.
2: No,
1: <laughs> right, you may have forgotten we didn't meet in my 20s. No, not with you, with my <laughs> wife. <laughs> but did I go to it? I might have. It was in County Hall on the sunbeck. I subject. might
2: have gone to that.
1: It was very cool. It had lots of Padme's
2: original costumes. Matthew, do you tell us your relationship with Star Wars?
0: I have always loved Star Wars. I, I think we are all of, because we're obviously about the same age, we have this thing that Star Wars is kind of the same age as us, so it has always been there, effectively. We, you know, we didn't count kind of like, oh, it's a revelation to see this thing on screen in terms of, you know, there's nothing like it beforehand. Yeah. Mm. But also not discovering it in our youth because it's it was still sort of, you know, people were watching when we were young. Anyway. So much the same as you know, seeing it on TV, seeing the cartoons, seeing re-releases when they came out, except I'm the other end of the fandom of I read the books as soon as they came out, and I have bought special editions of the books, and I've read uh, probably at least 100, if not 150, 200 Star Wars books in my oh, time, wow. and then comics, and then played all the games. I probably should have gotten them down, but I have a sort of shelf that is Star Wars. I, I, I No, I'm not going to get it down, but I do still have... <laughs> X Wing on disc, because I just have kept all the Star Wars stuff from all the times. The the game X Wing, okay. Which came I was on thinking, th- how does that work? F- floppy discs. Oh and wow! I still have them because you know, you, you know they probably don't work. They've probably been absolutely <laughs> demagnetized <laughs> in some house move or something. Uh, I you know they did a series called the New Jedi Order, a book series mm-hmm. which was twenty one books and some comics and some other tie in stuff. Phenomenal. It was absolutely wonderful. So I was both delighted when Disney bought Lucasfilm to make more Star Wars and Crushed because the expanded universe was then rent asunder. Same feeling on the prequels, you know, they're a bit hit and missed to say whatever, but at the same time it gave us the Clone Wars mm-hmm. series by Gendy Tarkovsky which mm-hmm. is wonderful, which is very short, and on Disney+, Plus and worth watching. And then he gave us the Clone Wars animated series, which is wonderful and worth watching. Mm-hmm. And I've still read books since. And since Force Awakens, I have come to the realization Star Wars is not made for me. And I don't think it's made for people like me. It's not made for people who who are now not going to read the toy boxes anymore and keep up with every bit of my new show on every character, uh, which was some of the stuff I loved, the big wide universe of it. And I think they are making a a world where it does only matter for a few people and, and we're going to keep returning to those people and those those situations because that's what they, they, you know, they bought it to make money with it. So mm-hmm. that's what they're going to keep doing. They're going to give us a Kenobi series. They're going to give us a series with a Yoda thing and they're going to keep having things that go wham. <laughs> I, I do own a lightsaber as well. Um, what colour is it? It's red. It's Vader's lightsaber. It's the best lightsaber.
2: Is it?
0: <laughs> yeah, Vader's. Is easy. I think this is one of those psychological questions. I think it, you know, people who like Star Wars, it tells you a lot about them. When you say like, "Hey, what's your favorite lightsaber?" Anyway, this is not on the topic.
2: <laughs> Should have been. For the record, I'd have a blue one, but that's just because it would go with my hair.
0: Nice. <laughs> um, so, so I, I watched The Mandalorian very late. I think Series Two was out by the time I watched the Mandalorian. I've not watched the book Boba Fett. I watched Kenobi and was not happy with it. So I am stepping away from Star Wars. I have had my time with Star Wars, and that's fine, and I can still enjoy it. And, and I, I have actually been thinking lately of going back and reading some of those books, because some of those books are terrific. If you've never read the Thrawn trilogy, it's one of the great Star Wars adventures. So,
2: Would you say that if you so. were if you were somebody looking to buy a few Star Wars books, where would you start?
0: I, I would start with them. The Timothy Zahn stuff is, is tremendous. They, they did a trilogy, Timothy Zahn, and then Kevin J. Anderson wrote a trilogy. So, you know, big science fiction writers... Um, and and they are wonderful things. So the the, the, Thrawn, the Thrawn trilogy is by by Zahn is setting up the new, I mean, what would continue. The Empire is still there, but it's much diminished. And what the Republic's become and what's happened to our heroes. And then the Jedi Academy trilogy by Kevin J. Anderson is about finding more Jedi and Luke setting up an academy and Kip to run coming under the spell of Exocun and... Excellent, very good.
2: Can we put that in the show notes? Obviously, not all of that, but like the details of which <laughs> books your starters for Star Wars books recommendations, yes. and then I can go get them. Mostly, yeah, absolutely. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I only know Thrawn from Rebels, mm. but he's a very interesting character, and I think we're yeah. going to be seeing him sometime soon.
0: Oh, de- definitely, and, and so care in the mix, absolutely. It's good that they are taking some of the good stuff from the expanded universe mm. and put a new spin on it, do new things with it, but. Don't just throw it away because it's other people yeah. know it. Yeah, there are a couple of other characters that I would love to bring in. Um, who would you like to so see? There's a character called Mara Jade who is just superb. And I don't want to say anything more. But okay, she's, it's cool. She's she's a, a key figure in that opening trilogy, and it was uh-huh. a bit like she's not like Harley Quinn, but it's that kind of thing of like, oh, this is an interesting character with a good uh, backstory, and a, you know significant stuff and she has her own her own arc in the books that they only ever gave arcs to you know Han, Luke and Leia so oh,
3: that's
2: cool
0: anyway those were long elevator rides they were oh, no. <laughs> that was a, that was a
2: really tall building <laughs> but don't don't you think the thing that makes Star Wars so compelling is that we spend so much time talking about Marvel which has since mm-hmm. 2008 made a cinematic universe out of like a, an entire world of comics hmm. but Star Wars has been kind of drip feeding us for our entire lives. And as you say, Mm. we are roughly the same age as Star Wars. And I think there's that really Mm. odd affinity with something that has really dominated pop culture and conversation every time it crops up. And you you mentioned, Laura, about it maybe not being the thing to be very geeky. And Mm. I think that that is one of the most interesting parts about how culture has changed since we were young Mm. is that something that might have been an acceptable playground conversation at like one point, and then really wasn't later, and then was not a very cool thing. And like later, discovering that lots of people went to see the Star Wars films, but we didn't do it together because that was yes. not the thing you do <laughs> with your friends. I just, I think how everyone's had these relationships, but now we have them together.
0: Mm. Yeah,
2: because they are a meeting point for all sorts of people. I think that that's a point I wanted to put in
0: here. S- seeing the Empire Strikes Back on that that late nineties re-release me and my friends were the only ones in the cinema, so we lay on the stage beneath it and the patrol coming up over <laughs> oh us. Oh, my God. Oh, I mean, you know, naughty teenage boys. <laughs> oh, as fun. naughtiness goes. Oh. Well, yeah, you're a naughty, very nice Sus- Sussex countryside. So. Mm.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I am now gone full circle to the geek as I have Grogu on my wall to my left, along with Amando, and on my right I have a Stormtrooper helmet picture. Um and this is one of the things which has been with me for a long time, is a really weird crush on the stormtroopers.
2: That is weird. Mm. What is up with people on this, st- I have this conversation with
0: know. my wife a lot. <laughs> what is? Up? I, I, I think I said the other day, I really want them to do an explanation of why is it okay to kill these people in the uh-huh. reckless abandon that they do, given that we've had Finn... Showing us that actually they're not necessarily so bad and and I want an explanation of why is their armor terrible because as See, we'll talk about in this, people punch them no, and they go <laughs> down so
2: i was I was explaining literally to just now to my wife that I thought until more recently than I'm going to admit very recently that they were robots, and okay, that occasionally okay. they're <laughs> yeah, you laugh. And then she was like, but, like, how did you think they went and dressed with them? And, like, dressed as them? And I was like, I thought they just, like, pulled off the outer
0: case. <laughs> like an exoskeleton, like a beetle.
2: Yeah, but I didn't think they were, like, living. I just thought they, like, unclipped the panels and, you know, like a suit of armour. Okay,
1: but, we, we yeah. have to do a recording that's just you telling us what you think Star Wars was. <laughs> <laughs> because everything I've heard so far from you about it has been just magic.
2: Well, th- this is also the thing when you develop your concept of what something is when you're like six or seven, and it doesn't really matter.
0: Yeah well, that's the... exactly? The thing. Yeah. you can have these wildly incorrect things, and it still works.
2: Apparently, yeah. the Death Star is not Darth Vader's house, but everyone thinks it's hilarious. That I
0: thought it was. It's like... I don't think i am just—it's using the, the word house, time. so it has a door and a roof.
2: It does have a door and a roof.
0: <laughs> it's a circle. Be- so have roofs.
2: Hobbit houses have circular doors. They're still doors and uh, houses, yeah, but they're not. Has a, they're
0: not a,
4: globe. Has a roof.
2: <laughs> is it a, oh, it's the round. Okay, right. Well, it's the, anyway. Good. It could, Good. You know, it's fine. There's no the planets around.
1: Why wouldn't you? Yeah, they don't have roofs and doors, darling. I don't think that's helping your argument.
0: <laughs> this is not the not the hill to <laughs> make it stand. Right, Andor. Andor. With all of that said, and us yes. having very disparate, you know, backgrounds and and affinities too, what did each of you think of Andor, Abby?
2: Absolutely adored it. I thought it was fantastic. It was so interesting. I have rarely been able to sustain interest in a Star Wars story. I was absolutely <laughs> fascinated by the people, the places, the things that were happening. I thought it was really well edited. I felt like the balance of where I was getting all the stories. (laughs) No, this is not a small thing. Often you watch things like this and you just get bored. I never got bored watching Andor. I was interested in every character they showed me and every story I got told. And they told quite a few stories about a lot of people. They've got a lot of people who are their own protagonists, you know, Um, which is something we've talked about in, in Marvel often enough.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I just felt that there was a density of of story and consequence and weight and meaningfulness that I have always been really frustrated that that Star Wars, particularly the films, doesn't have. They show you like one thing on a planet, that gets blown up and then you never hear of it again. And then they go to another planet, another planet and something else. And I don't care. I really cared about all of this. Mm. So, yeah, loved it. Good. Lure.
1: I really liked Rogue One, which I'm sure something we'll talk about uh, later. <laughs> but I really, really liked it. And, however, if someone had said something about uh, Cassian, I would have gone, who? <laughs> which mm-hmm. one was that one? I had no interest. When they said they were making a series about this guy, i mean like, what? Make what about their robot? He was much more entertaining. And I know they're <laughs> called droids. Um... <laughs> So I am really confused as to how a prequel of a legacy prequel about a character that I thought was really boring has become (laughs) one of the best things that Star Wars has ever done. So just to completely echo everything Abby said, but I absolutely loved it. I was a bit concerned at the beginning because it was a bit, you know, it felt a little slow because it wasn't what Mm -hmm. I was used to. Um, So episode one and two, I thought, "Mm hmm. I'm going to keep watching this. It's interesting enough, but it hadn't really convinced me that this guy was any more interesting than I thought he was going to be.
0: Hmm. But then
1: it just, with every episode, it just uh, got better and better. And um, I am bereft that we now have to wait until 2024, I think it is, because just started filming the new one, the new series. Uh, And uh, I loved it. I saw the character development and the story. And I just, as you say, I just really cared about these characters. And, And Abby, as you said, just so many of them, not just the core ones and then there was some sort of 2D interesting looking characters around them mm-hmm. um, and I really ended up caring about Cassian Andor which I think is some kind of magic trick frankly. <laughs> How about you Matthew?
0: <sighs> <laughs> clearly, I, clearly I cannot contain it and, and continue can I? I was going to do a whole pranking thing there but clearly not <laughs> this does finally feel like Star Wars made for me. Yay! Made I'm for right. people who want it to be a big universe with different things going on. You know, don't don't tell me there is an empire and a rebellion and bureaucracy and planets and a senate and then show me one dude and a ship and the ship then goes for generations to many different people and then the guy comes back. It just this is law. I think you're alluding to it, but the thing of everyone had a story. Yeah. The guy who ran the shop that had the secret dish that they communicate out from, his son ended up having a story and an arc at the end. (laughs) Just all these different things. The guy who got demoted, the sergeant who was helping the guy who got demoted, they all had things going on. And I was interested in their stories, whether they were good guys, whether they were bad guys, because I don't think generally the bad guys thought they were bad guys. And Mm. I've said it before, I'll say it again. A good bad guy should be doing things that are good. For the wrong reasons or in the wrong way, in that way, Um, and I think they were doing that. They wanted stability for the empire, and they wanted to stop these things from happening and do the emperor's will—not things we think they should be doing, but good, capable people doing good things. Yes. Yeah. Whatever way that sounds right.
1: Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) they they thought what they—they thought they were doing the right thing. Yes. Um, Whereas you do feel with the emperor and Vader, they're just evil for the
2: sake of being evil. Exactly. Which is great fun but this is just a different Mm. take.
0: Mm.
2: I'm sure we'll get into this further down the way, but what I also like Matthew saying about everyone having a story, every security guard, you know, they weren't, they were doing their job, no Mm -hmm. more and no less. They were turning Mm -hmm. up to work and doing the thing and they didn't really think about it very much until suddenly they have to think about it and you get to see these moments of these things. Mm. Bits of people's story, shots that are longer than you get in in a film, Mm. but... Not too long, just long enough that you can see everybody's lives panning out collectively yeah. as events take place.
0: The, the whole sequence on Aldani, you can see that this place has been running for a long time and yes. the sort of standard way it goes. You know, you get that from what they're giving you. And, uh, and I'd say it's because it's a TV show, so it's been given space. But I don't feel like I've gotten this from the other TV shows. Mm. I feel like the other shows have... Uh, sort of gone on cameos and oh let's throw in a baby yoda now let's throw in a funny droid let's uh, you know it's done the star wars thing that i'm not here for this has done actual good writing and interesting stuff so that's great
1: i think this is much as i love all the things that you just (laughs) (laughs) condescended all over um (laughs) this is by far better writing than i would ever have expected
4: Mm, the as far as the fabulous. the
1: characterisation, the dialogue—I mean, so mm. we'll come on to. I'm sure—but some of the speeches and, and yeah. just stunning. Star Wars has always been amazing for world building for a long time. What I liked most about Star Wars was just the concepts of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I've now come back to the original trilogy and I've watched them recently, and I thought, actually, no, I really, really like these. Whereas there was a bit of time in the middle where I was kind of like. I really love, you know, the characters, and I love the ships, and I love, but the actual story, uh, or the, mm-hmm. the um, the dialogue, uh, and then the dialogue in the prequels is just horrible. <laughs> there are some lovely things about the prequels, but the dialogue is appalling. Um, and so quite often it was just, it was just the world, you know, and and I don't know the droids were really cool, and the stormtroopers were cool, and mm-hmm. the costumes were cool, and the aliens were cool. Um, but with this. This world building is on another level now. When you're looking at Ferex and what they've done with Berix, it is so believable Mm -hmm. as being this community. And so then when we get to the final episode, you really care, not just about Marva, not just about Brasso, but the whole community. Mm. Um, And I think that's really hard to do. And it was done really subtly as well. Uh, And I just think that's incredibly skillful.
0: So you mentioned the slowness of it. I I waited until it was basically done and watched mm-hmm. it over uh, a week maybe maybe a cool. bit more. But
1: this is why I thought you were going to come on here. suggest we have this <laughs> podcast because Abby and I were saying, "No, you really ought to watch it. You really ought to. We
2: think you'll like it." Which, which is dangerous say... with Matthew because not, <laughs> he's not he's not enamoured with things I'm, people think he will I'm like. Arse <laughs> who
0: who doesn't like things on purpose?
2: No, <laughs> no because... but it is difficult. And I and I will say with andor, there was a point where I was like I really need all the people I want to have seen this to see it now because I realise it's reaching a critical mass. I mean, this is, isn't this the first Disney TV show to actually be aired on regular cable in America now? Like it's, it's come off Disney uh, Plus to go on something.
0: Oh, now? Uh, that I don't, Maybe. I don't know. I know, I know
1: there were a few
2: episodes that they were putting on other things I don't
1: know. to have people in, but I think it's a
2: lot mm. of Disney mm. Plus. Okay. I, no, I mean, it's. It's all, It's still on Disney Plus, but it's yeah. also on cable. Yeah, I think they um, were doing something with that in the States. Like I think it's reached a real critical mass of people just all saying this is exceptional. Um, and I, I always get a bit worried that it will become one of those things that then you can't really have a real conversation about it because everyone's already decided that it's some kind of gold standard and thereby you can't yeah, have a useful yeah. conversation. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: I think my, my concern was we, was we really pushed Matthews to watch The Mandalorian, and thinking he'd really enjoy it because we did. He did not enjoy that. So then, when we pushed him on this one, so we really thought, well, no, no, because this is the one all the people who said they didn't like The Mandalorian said they liked. And um, and then when you said,
2: oh, you really enjoyed it, I'm like, mm, I'm suspicious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we just didn't believe it. We're like, this is too good. To be. Because it's rare that all three of us wholeheartedly it enjoy is. the same sort of thing.
0: And and now we come to the crux of why we're doing this, because mm. I don't think we've ever had this on, on the Marvel series, where we've all yeah. enjoyed something, certainly where we've enjoyed it quite this much, and where it is also getting critical recognition. It's mm. getting appreciation yes. for no, what it is. True. There is, it is something interesting to be able to talk about it because mm. it, it, a large chunk of it will last be just singing its praises and talking about how good it is. So I watched this in, in a very short time. I binged it, and I am still of the opinion that I think binging is better for shows. Um, I think there are very few shows that work weekly in the modern era. Um, so I didn't notice the slowness in that way. But mm. then watching Rogue One, and one of my things that annoys me about Rogue One is it's so scattered for those first, the first act, if not two, that it's just planets, planets, planet, place to place, to place, and things happen, and things happen, and no one stops, and it doesn't. I I almost wonder if this is a reaction to that of like, okay, you know, yeah, we've got that film where we had lots of people you didn't really get to know anyone quite as well as we would have liked so here's all the people you want to know, and here's long scenes of them, you know, long scenes of people staring into fires and just sitting, thinking and eating, And which, which is everything I want from a TV show. I want it to breathe and show me what the characters are thinking. So uh, I wondered if that was coming into it.
2: I watched this week on week, um, and I'm really glad. It's one of the only things I've really been able, I think, to enjoy week on week, but I think that that was because for me there was so much, to think about and I was you know, don't laugh literally starting to understand the plot of Star Wars. I know the words (laughs) Empire and Rebellion but I really didn't understand what that meant and I didn't really understand what the Empire's, the Mandalorian starts to explain that really well and the things that I particularly enjoyed about the Mandalorian are where it is picking up strands of Mm -hmm. this later timeline and That kind of gave me a handle, but this really gave me stuff to think about. And I did find that I wanted to spend, not only did I want to spend some time thinking about it, but for the first time in a long time, I wanted to look forward to an episode of television. I wanted to sit down, we talked about German Mm. breakfast before, and I just started really looking forward to my Wednesday morning, I wanted to sit down with the breakfast and watch as we were still a couple of episodes behind um, and I could sort of see, I'm quite good at kind of getting a sense of how it's going without being spoiled for things. I'm quite good at kind of not, hmm. I don't remember anyone's name anyway, so it <laughs> doesn't really matter. Um, <laughs> but I could see that it was going well, generally, and I just hmm. really being comfortable looking forward to this episode of the show. And I think that hmm. for me, just prolonging the joy, and I did end up watching the last, I think, three episodes all in a row. Um. And I'm I'm sort of quite glad, I think, that I did actually watch the last three episodes because I think that perhaps one of them has a bit of a dip in momentum, which is fine, you know, in episode oh, okay. nine mm-hmm. or something or 11 or whichever. You know, the, the momentum should change throughout a TV show. That's part of breathing mm. is, is those kind of ebbs and flows. But I'm glad I watched the last few together because I think by the end I was sort of going, what, what I need to just, yeah. Anyway, I, I think that the pace was really something to savor with this, and I love mm. I love slow things. I love things where people do face acting rather than yeah. dialogue. Oh.
0: <laughs> I, I find it interesting that it, it sort of breaks into these kind of two three episode arcs mm. of you know right we're going to be on Ferrix, we're going to be um, it, it is Ferrix the planet he's from, isn't it? Yeah, no, the he's not up, from. No, but but that it's set yes. on as the as its core thing. You've yeah. got a few episodes, and uh, not not necessarily on Ferex, but sort of setting up the characters, setting up the situations. Mm-hmm. Then you've got the time on Darnley planning a heist and carrying out a heist, which is always nice. You've got time in a prison, a, a little bit of interstitial, and then time in in a prison, and then the finale of of you know having broken out of the prison and. Him being pulled back to Ferex and everyone ending up back on Ferex You know, it's it's absolutely plotted like a big heist film, mm. again and again and again mm. and again. you've got to get all your character. You've got to get the police in the situation. You've got to get the the bad gangsters in the situation. You've got to get the good gangsters in the situation. You've got to get our heroes in the situation. And then you've got to light a fuse and see what happens to your characters. Terrific. Were there any arcs that stood out to you more than anything else? Is there any bit of it that you were like, that that's the bit that that really got it?
1: I loved Marva's evolution into a rebel. Mm, okay. I thought that was fantastic. Um.
2: And I always love a heist. So Aldani was okay. was great.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I liked uh, Maid Marian, and her Mary.
0: Okay. True. The, the Aldani heist.
2: And her name. <laughs> she has a name. And someone yeah. any moment is going <laughs> to say her name. Belle. <laughs> That's right. Yes. Um, I loved I loved her. I loved her um, breadth of character and the way that she tied in with the Senator. Mm-hmm. Uh, really enjoyed the Senator storyline. I mm-hmm. think that one of the things often gets left out of these sorts of things is the enormous amount of money. And I think when you watch the original Star Wars, I definitely had that pub conversation mm-hmm. about it's a very well-off rebellion, isn't it? you know it's nice why Mm. did they go with orange for the jumpsuits like that's you know these are anyway like Mm. thinking about the money in there and i really liked that that was part of this and it's telling a full story about all the different aspects and and angles and kind of who puts their neck on the line and who doesn't um and what jeopardy looks like and what politics looks like and all the time you can see she is an actual senator trying to do things Mm. with the senate power which doesn't really amount to very much anymore and i I felt like her sort of trade-offs with the frustration of her work and with her marriage and her family her daughter how great was the small storyline with her daughter Mm. fantastic like all of these details all brilliant and that's like the e-plot in this show (laughs) it's just remarkable um, so, yeah, I mean, at some point we'll talk about Diego Luna, but I'd, I'd really like to just give my appreciation to the E-plot and say that, that when mm. they introduced her character and I started immediately kind of leaning in and being so interested, and I thought, I'm not usually interested in this. Okay. This is yeah, obviously yeah, yeah, yeah. going well. <laughs>
0: mm. Yeah, because it's, it's you could do a whole show about just the politics of it yeah, and yeah. That, that very top-level stuff, mm. but actually threading it through this other... Show about the building rebellion at a grassroots level. Mm, yes, really, sort of helps connect every bit of it. it. It means you don't have to have too much, too much speechifying, too much west winging, yeah, that kind of thing.
2: And you you see the full effect of of what money buys you of the mm. kind of Stalin Skarsgård character and and how he kind of brokers between. Mm -hmm. all the different stakeholders i'm going to slip into work mode (laughs) (laughs) you know what i mean how how all the parts join up and they're people who will never meet each other they would never meet each other in in any aspect of life but because they're all on the same side they're all Mm -hmm. interconnected and that's what the show is is telling you is how different things affect everybody in multiple well
1: it's hmm. It's really interesting as well seeing if you think about the relationship between cinta and vel and you know vel is in the struggle because her entire family was killed by stormtroopers vel is there for slightly different reasons from what we can gather Mm -hmm. it's more that she's decided that she's i suppose an ally and and wants Mm -hmm. to wants to support the cause but then you see the difference between their commitments whereas for Sinta mm-hmm. it's everything. Um, and she even makes the dig to Val, her partner that I think she was saying that, uh, she could part of her cover when she was on barracks was that she could be a, a rich girl who is falling out with her relatives and making that dig at Val as being the rich girl. Um, and so it's really interesting seeing those different parts of a of a struggle um, and sort of the position of privilege as well. So mm-hmm. with also Lutheran, Lutheran wanting Aldani to be the announcement in order to make things a lot worse for people so that they do actually then rise up against the empire. Well, he's doing that from a serious position of privilege himself. Mm-hmm. Is he going to be one of the ones who suffers? I mean, yes, if they catch him, but if not, Probably not. He's in quite a cushy position, um, so I thought that was really interesting. And and then just visually as well, having the the Ferrix um, side of the story and then the the Coruscant side, and you know, so you've got the kind of down and dirty and 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 yeah. really in mm-hmm. in the and it is and it's visually it's very brown and and, and grays and yeah. Mm. And then on the on the other side, you've got the beautifully styled and normally quite like neutrals and and a lot of white, which you have to obviously be very rich to manage that, um, and keep it white. Um, Yeah, I just thought visually that was a really nice juxtaposition as well. Mm -hmm. And some of those clothes were amazing. I mean, you can wear them, but (laughs) the collars and the sleeves. Mm. I need this to bring back big collars and sleeves.
2: Matthew, any characters that where you particularly thought, oh, oh, now I'm interested?
0: I, I think it's the prison sequence that really happened. I love a heist as well, and the heist hmm. was very good. Um, it's not too different from other good heists of its ilk. Mm-hmm. Um, Stanley Kubrick did The Killing, I think, which is a terrific example of really similar to that in, like, no one's good in this. Everyone's doing bad things, and it's you know worth watching from that perspective but then when you get to the prison sequence because i just couldn't see a way out of it and it's it's it absolutely shows you the insidiousness of the empire that Mm. they've made prisoners responsible for other prisoners and and you know getting people on side and then that it all comes to a head because there's a mistake that they don't actually release anyone they just put them in another prison and and they just put them in the wrong prison again Uh, and yeah, they don't see people as thing. Uh, people as people, they see people as things. And Abby made the comment about Luther making decisions. No, Laura, did you say about uh, the privilege and he's not going to suffer for it and so on? That ex- is, that's exactly that point of there is a way of telling this story where he is the bad guy and he is set up as the villain because he, from, from our perspective, he's doing the wrong thing for the right reasons. Which is what a good villain should do when it's about the heroes fighting against that. And the fact the villains are with him makes it an interesting story. And, and you can understand the sort of moral decisions being made there. That The, the decision at the end of not giving away that they know this intel yeah. is, is from the Enigma machine. It's it's exactly what they decided to do to keep it a secret. They cracked the code. So, mm. brilliant. Oh, it's true. It, it, it This is just going to be us... The phrases well, I <laughs> have a question actually
1: so as you said it was it was absolutely devastating the idea that these guys were counting down their shifts till mm. they would be released to then discover that you don't get released you just normally get put in another prison but they mm. cocked up here and they put him back in the same one doesn't that rather rely on the person you're doing that to never telling anyone they were in prison before this why would a prisoner who would be released into another prison not mention that to anybody? I was meant to be released and I appear to be in a prison.
0: I would headcanon it as there are prisons and there are prisons. There are mines and there are places people can disappear and it doesn't matter what they tell people. They're all chained up and doing the same thing together. So, well, yeah, And no, also,
2: if, if the prison that you're put into... Mm-hmm. Is full of people who were also previously in prison. They oh, don't. so you think
1: we're cycling through, and yeah. so no one ever comes just back normally back the, into yeah. Nakina it, Five.
2: It's not a two. They go Nakina
1: Five to Nakina Six or whatever it is that is yeah, yeah.
2: worse. And everyone in Six was mm. in Five, and they've just gone down a level. Okay, and it's like, fine. Oh, hi, Jeff. Mm. I see we're never getting out of here. again. Okay, then, then fine.
1: We can just gush.
2: because <laughs> Hello, Jeff. Um, and maybe they have like more <laughs> security in in that yeah. bit or that mm. prison or something. Um. Yeah I sure. I think I just what I just particularly love about the prison thing is the way that they see that it is possible to succeed because even as he's going into the prison he sees the mistakes that are being made and hears mm-hmm. that they are understaffed you know <laughs> you mm-hmm. just can't get the staff in these prisons they and and this is one of those things like there aren't necessarily as many people willing to do Prison guarding and all of the things that the empire needs to sustain Mm -hmm. itself,
4: as they need.
0: It it reminded me of the opening of Snowpiercer, which I also watched recently. Which also has that same thing of them watching and figuring out, like they've been doing this for so many years now. Um, And I won't say what they figure out, but there's a realization in there that's like, oh, that's so clever. Mm. That That sounds really thought about this. So,
2: yeah, Mm. but of tight plot as well. Mm. Absolutely
1: just one other character i want to mention and that's mm. Dedramiro. Mm.
2: yes who
1: i i was gonna say loved but i did and didn't didn't <laughs> yeah yeah um because i mean starting off i'm like yeah absolutely they you know because they really did a good job of the like, empire bunch of men who mm-hmm. are not very nice shockingly in the empire um And, you know, she's this woman and her boss even mentions a couple of times, you know, we're bringing in more people like you, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And she's completely underestimated and then shows her brilliance. And so obviously I'm on her side (laughs) until you get to the stage where she's then torturing Bix with the sounds of dying squid children. Mm. And you think, oh, crap. No, I don't want her to be good at this. (laughs) This isn't Right. Um, and so you sort of 180 turn with her. And yeah. And I thought the actress, um, who mm. I cannot, I've gone Denise Goff, is it?
0: Denise Goff, yes. Yeah.
1: Who I believe is a stage actress. And it's just great to see her having this opportunity because she's so good. At, she's so chilling when she is mm. interrogating Bix and she is leaning into her. And I think, I think Bix says, whatever I tell you, something along the lines of whatever I tell you, you won't believe me will you and the way she just agrees to that is just chilling and then seeing her with cyril is um is in itself something amazing mm. and i much as i know i shouldn't i ship them <laughs>
4: <laughs>
1: And i think I it's shouldn't.
2: okay to ship the bad guys together if as long as we can well, all agree they're all bad <laughs> yeah no
1: because i still think he's super creepy and i also he's i think so she thinks creepy. he's a bit creepy she
2: definitely thinks he's creepy
1: well i think she does earlier on when he accosts her outside of canary wharf as it is um <laughs> and then in the barbican how
2: exciting
1: mm-hmm. oh, i didn't see the barbican bit
2: it's the corridor it's, there's a long corridor it's the corridor between like it, it's under okay. the flats in the barbican nice. Yep. Nice.
1: i'm gonna have Pretty to go back and watch that
2: it's quite cgi would um, but I had just been there, so... <laughs> right. Oh.
1: So, um, um, yeah, so she's freaked out by them, but even when he rescues her in that cupboard, there were a lot of people saying that there was a lot of sexual tension there, and I I don't read that. She still looks... Re- I know she's freaked out because of what's just happened, but he's looking very predatory at her, mm. and she's still a little... Oh, I'm not sure about this. I actually find about- it quite... Um, Distress, distressing is too strong, but let's say a watered down version of that. When she's on the, f- she's knocked to the floor, and then she's being dragged backwards. Mm-hmm. Mm. And much as she's a bad character, da da I still felt that quite quite uncomfortable to watch. I'm not saying it shouldn't have been in there. Absolutely, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it was. You know, it was it was very much part of the story. Um, but yeah, that was, I think particularly on the rewatch, I was a bit kind of like, oh, if you think that situation through. And it shouldn't bother me more because it's a woman, but it just does, I'm afraid.
2: I, I really, I thought that whole sequence with, with them at the end was fantastic. And I think that she acts it so well. Oh. Of just, it's one of the best performances of shock, true shock yes. and adrenaline and, and fear. And yeah, the medical state of shock that I think I've seen. And I feel like that goes right through. Like she doesn't really come out of that kind of level of shock mm. and adrenaline. Mm. Um and I I think that there's elements of that with him as well. I just, I thought that the, the way that that kind of played on the sort of thing that you're used to seeing when two people end up in a cupboard together in some yeah. kind of show like this, but it did it with so much weight and gravity and yeah, like medical adrenaline and that sort of thing that it really made it much more interesting and considering the total lack of sort of dialogue and any inclination... To do anything with it, it just simply shows you these things and let the energy of all of that fear and the Mm. awfulness of what's happening happen. I really thought that sort of summed up just how I think, in a way, kind of brave the show is. Like Mm -hmm. it's just showing you what's happening. Mm. It's not subverting those things or trying to. It's not trying to over narrate them. It's showing you the facts of the thing.
3: Okay. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Hmm. I don't.
1: I'm trying to think. I don't remember there being any music during that scene. Is there?
0: I don't know.
2: don't think so. I, there was definitely a point where there wasn't any music, and I noticed.
0: I could imagine not because the build-up is very musical. Well, I think also yeah. the
2: sense that the explosion has kind of deafened mm. everyone, I think, is there. Yeah. Mm. It, yeah.
0: It, it, was, it was Deirdre's introduction that really sold me on this Mm -hmm. because it's the sort of situation that i like people you're really looking at the detail and finding those interesting things and then you know the way they they manage to sneak a spy in and not not let people know and um all of that the level of analysis and thought with good characters on top of that Mm. and the you know the uh, quasi-mental thing that the guy in charge is doing Uh with her which fine, shows, you know, they're not all terrible people because mm. he's trying to help someone, but like it's say, Laura's still working for the Empire and mm-hmm. still doing the Emperor's wish, you know, they reference the Emperor it's, it's good that we don't see him and we don't mm. have to go back to characters that we know that he's just there as a threat, because that's what the original Star Wars films are people <laughs> reference the Emperor he's not actually there though, his power is
1: what I love about the mentions of Pulpy is the way it's mentioned is I was talking to the Emperor last night Mm. And so you then have this image of him in his hood sat behind a desk having the conversations about how they're organizing the sectors for the. Mm. I don't know, what's next? Oh, your three o'clock is potholes. It just, <laughs> it just, uh, I mean, it works really well. Sorry. Yeah. But then uh, when I think about it a bit more, I'm like, oh, I'm really glad they're not showing him because this would be really,
0: weird. I've got calls all lunch. Someone get me a sandwich. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> for Papa Palpatine.
1: You have a collect call from
3: Darth Vader. I got to take this. Hold on.
0: Vader, how's my favorite Sith? Whoa, 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 whoa. Just slow down. Huh? What do you mean they blew up the Death Star?
3: Who's they? What the hell is an aluminum falcon?
1: (laughs) (laughs) This is such evil bureaucracy. But then we do have a... A wizard at the top of it that shoots lightning from his fingers. <laughs>
4: yeah.
2: You know. Yeah. Um, Speaking of um, other sort of things that, that this reminded of, uh, right, right there. Speaking of other things that this reminded us of and such, like about four episodes in, I happened at the weekend to um, watch Brazil, which I hadn't watched for a really long time. The okay. Terry Gilliam film. Mm-hmm. And it turned out my wife hadn't seen it, so then I watched it again. Um, and it's it's a film I have often watched more than once in a day before. But uh, when Cyril got put in his little circular booth
4: mm. and we were sitting there yeah, going, yeah.
2: oh, I'll tell you what, wouldn't you really like to have a circular booth and not a hot desk? <laughs> 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 it's anyway. so easy. <laughs> but um, but it just there was just something about kind of Brazil, thinking of this mass bureaucracy mm. and these kind of grand offices and the structures and, and so on in there. And there were just a couple of scenes which I just felt, There are a couple of things now that I can't remember if we're in Brazil or one of those episodes now because (laughs) there's just such a... Just that tangible, effective, efficient bureaucracy I just thought was beautifully done and it really reminded me of that.
0: And and the way that that mirrors what they're doing to Andor, being just one of many completing, making these things and he's one of many Mm. just sat there scanning and analysing reports. And it's just, again, it's... In a, in a universe where you can make clones and you can make droids, why bother? There's plenty of natural resource going that you can just put mm-hmm. to work at something. Make some laws and put them in there.
1: Yeah.
0: Brilliant. Hey, Diego Luna's in this. Hey, exactly. Diego Luna's in this.
1: <gasps> <gasps> and Abby, what do you say every time you see him on screen? His little face. Oh, his
2: little face.
3: Oh, his little face.
2: <laughs> um, I, I have a funny relationship with, with Diego Luna just a, a deep and abiding love which I mean we've now had uh, Garcia Bernal in the Marvel Universe so obviously I've done my talking about my Tambien and I won't do it again but suffice to say Diego Luna's the other one in it and um, it's very important to me and I love him and his little face however there are lots of points in Andor where he looks weirdly like my dad and that's quite strange <laughs> okay <laughs> Just <laughs> really looks like my dad when I was young, and also a very particular era of Paul McCartney in the little thing that comes up um, mm. when you select Andorra just he really looks like Paul McCartney like nineteen sixty
0: eight there are a few moments on there, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah.
2: Very strange. Anyway, so regardless of how he looks, and I think it's delightful in his little face. I oh bless him. Um, <laughs> I just, I think he's a wonderful actor. And we, I didn't mention Rogue One in my kind of how I feel about Star Wars because um, I only watched it a couple of days ago. I will say that is a film that really benefits from having watched Series One of Andor for me, mm-hmm. um, because now I, I sort of vaguely understand. Firstly, why this random girl is allowed to to take charge of things, because actually that's the kind of leader that he is. Someone else can do that bit. And um, I'll sort Mm. everything out behind them. And I I really love that in terms of kind of leadership for him. I think it's very exciting to have a character who's driving things, but isn't the one who is compelled to make the big speech himself. Mm -hmm. I love that. And I feel like he has that kind of quietness, an inwardness that um, you don't often get in a sort of titular protagonist. Um, so there are so many points where where Andor's character, he's really just standing in the background thinking about this or listening, you mm-hmm. know, all the way through the prison introductions. He's just listening, watching, thinking about things. And it doesn't actually do a whole lot to show you what he's thinking about. And every so often it'll do that kind of, you know, like in Tomb Raider where it will... You know, suddenly, it will, like the camera will pan up there, and you'll go, ah, like there's a <laughs> yeah, door yeah. up here. You know, every so often it does that just a bit, but mm. you get to you get to really see him sit in situations mm. and exist. The, the, think about the stuff. bit where he yeah. points
0: out people's handedness, mm.
2: yeah, and they've
0: not called attention to it, but they're no. they're just showing us. Oh, this this character notices things in a non showy Sherlock Holmes way.
2: Great, in a in a detail mm. way, and I think you know, much like with the other character that you mentioned being detail orientated before as well. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But my point is that I think that Diego Luna has that kind of quietness that is still very solid. Mm -hmm. It's a really particular quality that I think he has. And I think that without it, it would be tough to stick with that character throughout the show. I think that he really makes this character. And I think that in Rogue One, I mean, Laurie said you could probably forget that he was there. Mm. And I think that's, I I probably wouldn't. um, Because of his little face. Because of his little face. (laughs) But but I I think that it's fascinating that he, I feel like he knows this story in Rogue One, even if we don't know and get to see it. When I kind of look at him, I feel like he is acting all of these things. He's acting a man who's been on this incredibly long, who's had a long life of this stuff and Mm. all the stuff that came before and the childhood and all of those things I feel he just brings a lot of weight and anyway that is my speech
1: I would be curious to watch Rogue One now because I've not watched it since I've watched Andor because I (laughs) want Matthew's making faces (laughs) Uh, because yes I would be curious to see him now now I have affection for Andor would I watch him differently in this film I'm guessing I probably would but I think what's really helpful for the Andor series, for those of us that did watch Rogue One before, is that to me he's a bit of a blank slate in that film so that you can then go back and create all of this backstory. Mm-hmm. I think if he had been a very big character, then you end up having to do a backstory where you explain all the re- all the things that you mm-hmm. saw in the film and then it becomes solo, which I enjoyed but had a few eye roll moments. Um And I think you're right. Diego Luna has this really impressive quality where he can be a leading man without appearing so. So Mm. the series is called Andor. Mm -hmm. And yet you've got a huge amount of characters in this. And as Mm. we've said, so well written that they will feel like characters. I think there's over 200 speaking parts, which is a lot, even over the, you know, I think it must be about, what is it? Nine hours in all? Ten hours? Mm. Um, but he's always... You always come back to him as the centre of the story. But he is... Yeah, it's it's difficult to really put a pin on how, how he's doing that or what it is he's doing. But it works incredibly well. So, you know, if you had a Harrison Ford in that role, it just wouldn't work, much as he's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, And the other thing I think with him is... Cassian can kind of do everything. You know, mm-hmm. if he was a woman, he'd be accused by certain quarters of being a Mary Sue. He mm, can fierce. fly every ship. Yeah. Mm. He you know, as you said, he spots all the handedness and mm-hmm. he's handy with a gun, you know, all of this stuff. Um and I think if he was a more flashy character and a or an actor with a different kind of presence, then I think that would be annoying. But because where he is this quieter, somehow, background-leading man, I don't know, um, it works really well. And then balance as well with all of the other characters as well.
0: I think I think both points absolutely work and why it's such a great character, because <laughs> I, I absolutely think he's a Mary Sue. So, and there are times I'm like, oh, oh, look, he knows how to fight that. Oh, he can break out of this prison. Oh, he can come up with this plan. Oh, he can hack a pipe and congratulations Andor. but the fact he someone will say to him about doing something oh no it was them over there and he he puts other people Mm. first and into the leadership positions is really interesting because that's Mm. not what you do with that character when you when you normally have them and then just the, the extra layer for me that he also has the moral grayness of oh we're escaping from prison we need to shoot all the guards yeah. They oh, oh that person's seen me so I'm going to shoot him and they've seen me shoot someone so I'm going to shoot them as well just yeah. you know from the off we have this character who appreciates the world is not an easy place so let's just do what you need to do to survive and, and it carries through it, it is a big plot point in Rogue One that he does yeah. that so.
1: I felt that there was a, a rather quick arc with him there though because when he when he's on Molana um, 1 and he kills the first guy accidentally he pushes Mm -hmm. him over and he hits his head or what have you and then when he realizes he's horrified Mm -hmm. and then he's looking at the other guy and i think if we were at where we are at the end of this series or the rogue one uh cassian at the beginning of rogue one when Mm -hmm. he shoots the ally then i think that would have been a very quick shot Whereas he does sort of look at the guy as if to, oh my god, what the hell am I going to do with you? Yeah, and he does then go ahead and shoot him. But I do think there is a bit of a sort of a progression mm. towards the guy we then see at the end of, um, sorry, at the beginning yeah. of Rogue One, which I don't think he is yet because that guy was an ally, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and, that was, and I, I, it was just to avoid being captured himself. He decided he was going to sacrifice this
2: guy. I, I agree. I got the impression that this was, you know, the first time he sort of killed someone at all um i also thought what a bold way to open a series like as soon as that happened i was like Mm -hmm. well that's started this series in a different way from your usual star wars opening like you've actually your hero was killed by the way i didn't realize his name was andor until mm, episode seven eight i i thought andor was a place
0: when I had well, checked you know, with
2: my wife, and she didn't realise it either. We do have
0: indoor, you know. But yes. I, I, sounds the same. They could have differentiated some more. Mm-hmm. Call it indoor. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, that that opening, and you've made me realise for a lot of it. Actually, it's very reminiscent of Farscape. Less J.P., less, you know, not, not as light-hearted, but yet yeah, trying to show every aspect of these characters and. Even even the Imperials, who we always see as following orders and being very good, they're all ambitious and conniving and the guy who's like, oh, can I have a new title? Can I have an office? Can I... Mm. <laughs> and the guy doesn't care. You know, as most people don't. <laughs> Brilliant.
3: And I
1: think the moral greyness, because if you think traditionally, Star Wars is incredibly binary. Yeah. There is good versus evil. Mm-hmm. And here we have these characters which there was a to an element in Rogue One where you had Saw Guerrera there and and Andor when we first meet him when he shoots his colleague. Um but I think here the the moral ambiguity of Luthen of, Luthan, of mm-hmm. Andor um yeah, I I think that's a much I don't want to diminish earlier Star Wars because I love it. Mm-hmm. And I don't I think this is a more complicated Star Wars. I've heard people talk about it as being a grown up Star Wars, which I understand what they mean, but to me that feels a bit condescending to everything else. Okay. Um but I think it's the, the complexity of this Star Wars is mm-hmm. just I think this is the first premium TV we've had
3: mm-hmm.
1: in this universe. Like true premium TV and not just because oh it's Star Wars, therefore it's premium.
0: Yeah, no, I I think I'd agree with that. It's got some of that feel of the big TV shows of the day. Yeah. Whereas the others are anthology series and... Yeah. And, and the subtlety... Star Wars, it's slightly longer form.
1: And the subtlety of some of it. So in, I can't remember if it was the finale or the penultimate episode, when Mon is in the back of her limo and throwing her husband under the bus, By Mm -hmm. suggesting that he's been spending all the money that she's missing gambling. I don't know, I just the the subtlety of that and the it's it's I think I think, you know, Star Wars, the films were meant to be kids' films, but obviously we've read a lot more into them. Mm. This is probably the first series that I would think might not be that entertaining for children. And I think they'd probably miss some of the story.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm seeing my 11-year-old nephew in 12 Days for Christmas. So that would be I'm definitely interesting. Going to be I, I may even yeah. get the recorder out and record something there. That would be
1: really mm. interesting.
0: That would be, you, you make an interesting point about some of the characters and some of this. Because in in Star Wars Except Andor, if someone is morally dubious they get their comeuppance somewhere. Yeah. Even if they're a good guy, so so Saw Guerrero is a very good shout. Even mm-hmm. if they're a good guy, they don't survive the film. Mm-hmm. Or or whatever the thing is. Um unless you're obviously you know setting up Darth Vader and stuff, but fine. You know what I mean. Um mm-hmm. whereas in this, yeah, everyone's gonna survive. And the good people can die and the you, you know what's his name, Andy Circus? We have that final shot of him, like I can't swim, and we don't even <sighs> get to know what happens there. But it's it's entirely possible he has to stay. Or That was or... that
2: was the only line of the show that I said before he did.
0: Right.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
2: I, 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 and a moment, if we might, for Andy Circus, mm. because Oh, I just think he's such a spectacular actor. And and talking about Diego Luna as, as somebody with a really particular kind of screen presence. It really lets you bring in someone like Andy Serkis, who just, for me, steals every room that he's in, always. And I just thought that was such a wonderful thing to have the two of them together, especially by the the time you get to the end of their time together, where he's Mm. in the control room. And it's all sort of starting to unravel. And I just, I thought the acting was just off the scale.
0: I I feel like he might have lucked out, because I think at the same time as he was filming this, he was also making Batman. And he's ah, yeah. basically playing the same character in both. And it really works. Because this is mm. core Andy Circus. It's not him doing some of the big performances we see elsewhere. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, awesome. Love him.
2: And I think, you know, Star Wars... I was trying to think, is Star Wars the first place where we get um, real big actors in a franchise like this? Because there's, there's not... I was trying to remember are there any particularly remarkable theatre actors in Bond I might be doing someone down here but I don't know enough about it
0: I would say it's almost that the genre is different because this is such a you know science fiction is for kids certainly in the 70s and 80s sort of thing well Um, yeah yeah
2: Interesting. I I was trying to think if there are kind of these these great actors turning up in any other kind of Mm. Sci-fi I mean, or even Marvel. Yeah, but that's, like, Star Wars is the first, isn't it? Oh, I see. If we're talking yeah. about... Like Alec it, Guinness. Yeah, I'm, I'm know,
0: talking Alec Guinness, really. And, and all, you know, Peter Cushing's in it. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but also, how many franchises are there
4: really you know, exactly. from that yeah. time? Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, Back there's the future?
2: Although then we were saying that, like, for example, with The Prisoner, you really do have some incredible stage actors and and so on in Mm. that um and that's such a kind of isolated thing and i think it's one of the reasons that it has lasted as long as it has it's because it's got those really top-end actors Mm. anyway my point is that since it started star wars has been able to get these incredible top-end people Mm. in it and i felt like andy circus is is like a continuation of that
0: and uh, well so i think i've said this elsewhere that for me one of the great things about a good prestige TV show is that it's not people you know. When when I look at things like uh, I'm going to pick on the Good Omens, which I know I always pick on, but everyone in that is a known quantity and is very famous. So you're watching Michael Sheen, David Tennant, John Hamm, all these people come and do the things they do. Whereas the good prestige TV shows, when we're talking uh, the Sopranos, Mad Men, Game of Thrones, there are some famous people in there, but Only a smattering of them. And there are people that you've seen in other things that that are kind of that guy. Mm -hmm. You you recognise them, but you've not necessarily seen them elsewhere. And new up-and-comers, people, this is their big break and so on. I feel like Andor's doing that as well, where the other shows that they've done, certainly in Star Wars, have been, let's cast every famous person because we think people come for actors. So you're absolutely right. In Andor, there are some people that we know. There's the Skarsgård, there's Echo Luna himself, there's some others.
2: Uh Trevor from EastEnders
1: wow this is is the casting that I'm really excited about because that first couple of episodes I watched my EastEnders Corey I know him from somewhere I was going to do who
0: is Trevor from EastEnders
1: oh um um, is he called Mosk? the Scottish bloke Cyril's
0: oh the sergeant yes Nice. okay okay
1: he he terrorised little Moe Oh, pivotal, okay. pivotal storyline. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I was going to do my Doctor's Watch, right. and I just oh. decided, do you know what, everybody other than Diego, Luna and Skarsgård, because yeah. Yeah, there's yeah, just gotta no be. point. Yeah, it's got to be. If yeah. not Doctors, then they've been in the bill, EastEnders or Corrie. Yeah, Casualty.
0: And, and it Maybe means Brooke you can believe the characters and the situations you're watching more, because you're not yeah. watching someone that you're thinking, oh yeah, I've also seen this guy be Doctor Who. Sorry, I've seen this guy be the Doctor <laughs> before Mandy calls me out on it. Yeah. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. I did find it a little bit distracting when it was Trevor, because I'm like, why do I know you? <laughs> yeah.
2: I was just delighted to see him get to do some some acting, because I'd long made a case that he was a fantastic actor on EastEnders. I didn't have any particular interest in EastEnders, but I did happen to no. watch that. Story. Well, and and, and the character a feels like
0: it, he's an archetype absolutely ripped from Terry Pratchett. So it, it worked for me, put all of that with it.
2: Yeah, there mm. was something brilliantly Pratchett-y about a mm. lot of the... His sort of
0: forced yeah. clap, you know, right, he's yes. in this speech, yeah. everyone goes, oh, what a great speech, <laughs> sir. Oh. <laughs> Wonderful.
1: I felt I think... like there were a lot of Scottish people in there. There was they filmed in Scotland yeah. so they, um, the yeah, tracks. good. The so that Alex, I think he's got Alex Ferns and he's having he some ridiculous run because he was in Batman sorry, he was in the Batman as Gordon's boss, I think it was, and then apparently he was in Chernobyl, which I haven't got around to watching yet, okay. but um, is meant to be amazing so. I don't know if he's been, what he's been doing in between these two points. Maybe he's been in lots of things I've just not seen.
2: Got a better agent, um, maybe.
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, the reaction of the number of people who've gone, oh my God, it's Trevor from Eastenders makes me think that no, people haven't been seeing him all this time. I actually
2: think he did stage stuff for a while. That would be wrong, but I think he did quite a lot of stage stuff in the middle. But anyway, it was just kind of great to see him. Um, Yeah, yeah,
0: the Batman was filmed in the UK. So, yeah, Liverpool. (laughs) Yeah.
2: A lot of people from Doctor's going to be
0: in that. Mm.
1: I'm not doing <laughs> doctors watch for every film.
0: <laughs> I do notice now when I look up people and they've been in Doctors. I never would have noticed it before, but now everyone seems to have thing. been They right <laughs> passage. Um Yeah. No, I that that for me is, is what works in this sort of show is when I can watch it and and really engage with the, the character they're playing rather than the actor they are. I think I think it makes a difference. I think they've done that really well here. Mm. Um are there any other people you want to call out?
1: Well, I've been sat here trying to remember what his first name is because I want to say Alan Skarsgård, but I'm pretty sure that's wrong. Stellan. Thank Stalin you. Stellan Skarsgård. Bob. <laughs> Stellan Skarsgård. Jimmy St- Skarsgård. Um, yeah, Luther, I think he is fantastic in that role because yeah, he is absolutely. the big actor. Mm. And it could be distracting having him in that role, but mm-hmm. it hasn't been. And particularly the dual roles he plays and then has to switch between those two. Yeah. And so when he's on the ship and he's first getting into character as Luthan, the um antiquities like, mm, mm, there, and he's even like practicing his gestures and everything and then drops it completely and walks to the other side of the ship. And you just think, oh, it's just so good. And then his speech to Lonnie, is it? The spy. Mm. Yeah. Well, it was interesting. I was listening to, I think it was the director of that episode who was saying that they'd had a number of takes and it just wasn't working for some reason. And he was a bit kind of like, oh, this is Jimmy Skarsgard. And this is a bit awkward, sort of having to say, oh, it's not working. But he also was thinking it's not working. um And then he, what they decided was that it's too much like a speech. You just need to deliver it. As a you just need to take the speech out of it. Mm. And it, works beautifully Mm. beautifully and i mean some of those lines i mean tony gilroy really can write
3: Mm
0: -hmm. Mm.
1: i now can't quote any of them but
0: (laughs) if if we're if we're wrapping up on on characters i do want to mention ben miles as the childhood friend the banker yes tay I enjoy him in everything and he he is absolutely one of those guys. It's it's the fact that I watched all of Coupling that I remember him and that he stands <laughs> Such out. Such a different but, character. Oh,
2: Patrick from Coupling. Yes, yes exactly.
0: Yes. He, he he's so <laughs> enjoyable in everything he does. He's in um is it V for Vendetta? Very similar sort yes. of role that he's really good in. Yeah, and he's great here because because he does Isn't have this he? sort of swagger of corporate type, so and or oh, my yeah. politics might be a bit extreme for you. And then he starts finding out the truth, and he barely says a word for the rest of the series because mm-hmm. I think he's just now like, oh, I'm playing a different game. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: Uh, I'm always delighted when anyone from cuffling turns right. up. Yeah. What a ridiculous show to have spent, frankly, too much time in my life watching, yeah. and yet just always it's so happy to good see
0: though. them. Oh, wonderful show!
2: I haven't watched it in absolutely years, but I probably still remember it off by heart if I put cushions. it cushions. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, fair. <laughs> <laughs> Some of
1: it's not aged particularly well, but that's not really. No, good. Well, that's, that's, my, that's my worry not. about returning to it. Yeah. Not, not loads take... of it, to be because I watched is it, it mostly maybe just three Jeff? years ago.
3: Hmm.
1: No, it's um, Jack Davenport's character that I'm now blanking on his name. Oh, really? Some of his yeah. stuff's a bit like... Uh, I mean, it's not appalling, but... Just a bit of an art.
0: He's got a very Behaving Badly thing going on there.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Hmm. And there was one line um, from Marva, well, from Marva, but delivered by Brasso. Which I mean, the whole speech that he delivers to her, uh, to him, mm. is um is just gorgeous. But particularly the idea of I love you more than anything that you could ever do wrong, mm. and I just it's such a beautiful sentiment. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, particularly coming from a mother, and where Andor believes he is in his relationship with her when she passes, and mm-hmm. his regret. And I think one of the things I loved most about that was Brasso because he clearly must have memorized that and practiced that to be able to deliver that the way he did
3: mm-hmm.
1: and i just think that's such a beautiful symbol of their friendship mm. and and the hug i mean you don't see men hugging like that much like, you no. know, it's a hug and then diego luna that clings on to him
3: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: um and not in a I, I can't support my weight type of way you know that you might see if someone's in, you know very distressed or something and i just um I thought that said so much about that relationship. Mm -hmm. And the other Marva thing that I was thinking about is, do you know about when they changed some of the language in her speech? Have you heard about this? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So she has this amazing speech when she's the sky high um, hologram. And at the end she shouts, fight the empire. And everything kicks off. Mm -hmm. Uh, The actors have reported in interviews that she actually said on set, F the empire. And if you look, you can actually see that's what she says. Oh, really? (laughs) Yes. And it's been dubbed over, which is really interesting. because that must be some quite interesting conversations because they clearly thought they could do that. And then at some stage, someone has said, "Uh, I'm sorry, no, this is Disney. Um, I actually think it's better, much I have no problem with uh, the F word as we are Mm -hmm. a non-explicit podcast here. Um, and probably use it far too liberally in my own life i think that would have taken away from that amazing speech because it mm-hmm. would have been oh my god it's the first time
0: totally in agree. Star Wars, yeah, yeah, yeah. and this
1: was strong enough without you know that mm. distraction
0: yeah we had exactly that situation in star trek yes a, a few years ago where they started smattering in mm. modern swear words in star trek and, and i think it it isn't necessary you know it's supposed mm-hmm. to be a both a different situation different world different time um, and a different way of putting things across mm. and it, it, it stops it you're, you're exactly right saying that we're a non-explicit show we know if we started swearing it suddenly limits the number of people who might find it and what can mm. do to it not even just from a you know oh, we're producing content we want everyone to, to listen to it but you want things to be accessible and yeah, you want I the think the, it's, it's also, and the sentiment there to be accessible
2: generally it's fair to use the vernacular of the thing that you're Discussing mm. and I think you know mm. obviously that does vary in Marvel, but by and large, it skews milder and younger and mm. you know same as Star wars language wise and like you say it's a different it's a different world, so I think resorting yeah. to our <laughs> contrivances is not the most useful thing, but I did want to say just really quickly, talking about Marvel Fiona Shaw mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean from one Shaw to another, there's not <laughs> about in the uh, <laughs> But gosh, good to see her, and, and uh, mm. I absolutely loved her. And also, speaking of that household, I'm thinking of Rogue One and spoilers for Rogue One in this, but like, really? You know, sure, I, I feel like the only person who hadn't seen Rogue <laughs> One um, in the world. <laughs> um, anyway, um, I am so certain that in series two of Andor, that gorgeous little robot droid thing is going to end up having a transplant. Into the droid that is Cassian's friend in Rogue One, you watch it, and it's, I, and it's no. going to get Alan
0: Tudyk's voice.
2: Exactly, yes. okay. it's personality transplant. Not really. Yes, They're just more. He's just going to be upgraded. B two
0: emo
1: is incredibly sweet. It's a puppy slash toddler? K two s o is snarky as hell. I love it. Yeah, it's both, also a bit, but in a bit different upgraded. Ways. Upgraded. upgraded. I think he could become. Bb eight. Oh, interesting. Okay. I mean, I don't think he really will, but
0: I, I, yeah, I hope it doesn't. I, I, hope, I Yep.
1: Oh God, no, I don't want him
0: to. No, <laughs> okay. no. It's
1: just I have I've heard the theory that he does become K two S O. And I have I, not
2: heard that theory, but I'm glad it's yeah, not just me.
1: No, it's not just you at all. And I, was just, but they just their personalities are so different. Mm. But um, I definitely want. I don't know how we're going to see B again, but I want to because he's just
3: adorable.
1: Mm. And the what I found interesting with him as well is we got um, we got shots from his viewpoint, mm-hmm. which apparently isn't the first time that there was some sh- there were some shots mm-hmm. from C three PO in I want to say the Phantom Menace, but I'm not sure. But I think it was done so well here. Yes. Yes. Oh, Cool. <laughs> I got something right. <laughs> I think I've I think we see Anakin sometimes.
0: packing. Yeah. When when little Jake Lloyd has been freed here. Um, so they are making Andor Series 2.
3: Yes, they are.
0: Which which I think is good. I would be comfortable if this was all we got. Mm. This would be a really interesting series, and they've done really well. Congratulations, good. Um, mm-hmm. I, I now feel like Series 2 is going to be uh, almost a litmus test for me of where do they think Star Wars go? Do, do they deliver on more of this and continue building and continue doing interesting rebellion, politic, spy type heist things or do they go ah everyone liked Andor let's do Andor but now let's have all of the cameos and a Taika Waititi in there and some of this stuff going on um, because that's what they think people want to come for it'll be interesting I to see like they,
2: they- I feel in a way that what's really great about Andor as a series is that it capitalises on everything that people actually really said they liked critically about Rogue mm-hmm, One. Mm-hmm. This is dark, this is different, these are characters that we're not used to. And does really test that theory. Mm. And I feel like they've had it proven so. Mm. Um, my understanding of Andor is that it's conceived as a two-series thing, maybe you talk okay. this, Laura, okay. actually, and it, that it goes it, straight into Rogue One.
1: It was going to be five series. Oh, Wow. And um, and yeah, and it literally go right up to Andor's leaving to go to the where when he turns up at the base at Rogue One, mm. uh, in Rogue One. Um, but then both Diego Luna and Tony Gilroy <laughs> decided we cannot spend the next ten, fifteen years of our lives mm.
4: doing this. So yeah. they decided
1: they wanted to strip it back to two. Okay. So yeah, it is just going to be the two series. But it does it will still go right up until rogue one mm. so this season has been a year or so i think and then the next season will cover four years but it's okay. going to be in the way we've had the mind standing is where we've had the three the the sets of three mm-hmm. um it mm. will be like that mm. but with time jumps in between right okay so but so those three will still be on quite a, a short period of time mm. so they'll still mm. be quite intense mm-hmm. but then there'll be a time jump until the next one
2: okay so they're, build, they're building into Rogue One. And I think I like that kind of finite, finite sort of world-filling mm. aspect of it. I, I'm quite interested in that. And, and I think it'd be nice to watch Rogue One again after... Say, Well, nice. I mean, I don't think I hate it as much as Matthew. I think I hate it as much as my wife did. Um, but I see everyone's point. I also that definitely does. love it. Everyone I know loves it. It's apart a bad from film when she sits in the
0: corner thinking about what it's done. <laughs> frankly.
2: But I know so many people who absolutely love it and have got so much more out of it than I can see. So um, good on them. And you know I I think and with all the CGI and everything, I feel like Rogue One was a real test of a lot of things that has really paid off for the wider Star Wars universe. But not necessarily because of the film. Mm. More because of the conversation it was able to generate and the types of interest it got from people who Mm. haven't necessarily got on with it before which is why i thought i would probably like it more than i did um but you know
0: okay so we 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 wrap up and all the series with a shot of what they were making in the prison which i'm delighted they did because I, i felt like it should come to something there should be something in there um I don't think it necessarily means anything. It's just again feeding into that idea of what the empire is. Did, did you read anything more in that post-credit sequence?
1: I think it's just it's it's just reminding yeah it's just reminding us that that is there in the future, mm-hmm. okay. and then you know linking it back to the idea that Andor has built part of this machine that will eventually kill him.
3: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: I don't think sure. we're going to go down that route a lot more. Right. Like, I don't see us next season seeing much about the Death Star. Abby's mm. hmm.
2: thinking. Well, I was just thinking, because, you know, we've already got all that stuff about Mads Mikkelsen well, designing the Death Star. Well, exactly.
0: It's not like he made the thing that no one else could make and it's, you know, his own hubris or it's ironic or it's, mm. you know, a Greek tale or something. It's Someone would have made a part that went in. It, it didn't have to be him. They were making so many of no. them. It, I don't think it, it's that thing. So I, I can, I, I, I agree. I think that's what they want us to see. I don't think it's there. So it's I so it's an interesting aside, but probably nothing more.
1: I, I don't think we needed it.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: But I liked having it there once I wasn't expecting it and I very much discovered it as a. I just let the credits play while I was baffled about on my phone and then suddenly there was a post-credits scene, which you don't expect for Star Wars. Um, but another thing is pretty much everyone lived at the end of this, which is yeah. really unusual. I mean, I, mm-hmm. is Marv our only death of one of the goodies?
0: And the guy who ran the shop with the dish. Yeah. That I mean, might be it. Peripheral. Yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, uh, sorry, packs, but, matter. you know, All peripheral. Right. Um, my condolences to his son. Um, and the two, two guys at the beginning. They weren't goodies.
0: And a million stormtroopers. Yes,
1: I was talking about <laughs> goodies. Um, so there is also this kind of foreshadowing of, yeah, you know what's coming, don't you? <laughs> mm, mm. They're all going to die because they don't turn up in Rogue One. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but then they wouldn't necessarily turn up in Rogue One, would they? I don't think I don't see characters. Luthan characters. making it out of this? Um, That's,
4: um, no, that is what TV everyone series. back in two
0: thousand eight. And if we're talking going back a good while on this podcast, I went to see the Clone Wars movie at the cinema. Mm. <laughs> Um, talking about wow. Star Wars movies. That is exactly what everyone said about Ahsoka. Like, at the end of this series, Ahsoka has to die because she's not in Revenge of the Sith.
2: True. And with the Star Wars universe being what it is, I don't think that this is the last of the... By the way, this is what the effects of Star Wars are hmm. rippling through the galaxy. Yeah. I I think there's a real appetite for this, not least from me. And, you know... Matthew's got a hundred books they could be filming,
0: um, <laughs> so. See, and, and it's really bad because all I want is for them to remake the prequels, but make but make them re- you know make them like this, make them really good and really strong, and you don't well, even have to change that much.
1: I don't think you would have to change that much because mm. I remember at the beginning of the Obi Wan series when they did that kind of supercut recap, mm-hmm. you go, "God, this looks amazing!" Right. When can I see these? Yeah, mainly because they took out a lot of the dialogue.
0: But 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 they're also not going to redo anything of the what are they called? Legacy sequels? The oh the new series. trilogies? Whatever it's yeah, called? Sequel?
2: Sequel trilogy? The sequel trilogy. Thank you. Yeah.
0: They're, they're not doing. They're not going to admit a Mia culprit on them and redo them. So
2: the thing um, is, they've they done they it. They've done it. Them. Yeah. Yeah. No, but they've done what they've done Mm. and it doesn't mean we can't have television series and we can't redeem it in other Mm. spaces and you can find your Star Wars wherever you need it. Well, just uh,
1: look what Feige's done for Thor 2. Yeah, that was an absolute inessential, oh God, it doesn't work, and then it becomes essential part of Endgame. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's done that a couple of times, I'm now blanking on. But where there seems to be a going back. Well, I mean, with with the Hulk and in his part in She-Hulk,
3: mm. I
1: think a lot of that is doing some fixing on the incredible Hulk when mm. he's talking about his experiences and then as has been the mirrored for her. I think it seems to be a bit of a special effect because he's going back in the bits, instead of ignoring the bits that didn't go so well, mm-hmm. trying to rehabilitate them. So maybe we can see that with with some of Star Wars. Although mm-hmm. the difference with Star Wars is the fandom is so divided mm-hmm. on which bits would need fixing and which bits should mm-hmm. be left alone.
2: Mm. Yeah, I I think that Star Wars is one of those things where we can play a volume game. Now mm-hmm. <laughs> there yeah. can be other films. There can be there can be anything. Now. Yeah. That's, that's if they why do this I, I well.
0: was comfortable with a, I had my time with Star Wars. It was great fun. I had, you know, from, from the early 90s, they started making those books. And then mid 2010s, they they stopped. And, and, and they'd gone a long way at that point anyway. And in there, there was so much content that was so enjoyable. Great, I had my time. Maybe it was time for another. But if there is going to be something in here that I love, wonderful. I will stay around for it.
2: I'm really glad I got more than Pepsi cans and a watch. <laughs> I'm really pleased about that. Waiting for the and or Pepsi cans. I would have bought them. I oh, know, darling. <laughs> I don't Peps. even like Pepsi. <laughs> and and it,
0: it, it makes me feel more positive next year for for what will be my third Star Wars convention coming up. So, you know. Nice. Isn't it nice going into that with like, oh, actually Star Wars can do some good. Do you know, yeah. I, seeing mm. as it's
1: my first one and I'm going with you, I'm really glad that you are back <laughs> well, up on exactly, Star Wars because otherwise exactly. it would have been- Potentially a little bit depressing. Uh, so oh, we've got we've got coming. Yes, we are also sorry. Uh, we've got Ahsoka coming up, I think, is that next year? Mm-hmm. Which I'm hoping we'll go through en route. And I'm curious about the Acolyte mm. and what that will end up being, because that's High Republic, I think, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm. Which I don't know anything about. Nope. So.
2: Mandalorian, sooner than I thought. Yes. Very happy about that. that, It's still still my favourite. Is that March? I think so. March, May? Yeah. Yeah. So
1: we're talking about all these different things that um, they could do. We're getting two seasons of Andor. Mm -hmm. Any of these characters or situations that you want to see spun off into another series? Or even a special presentation like we've had with Marvel?
0: Well, I would love the uh, either proper spy series involving the Imperial um, Security Bureau and, and people spying against them. Or, uh, and this is where I think they might go, a proper rogue squadron. Again, within the books, there was a, a quite a big, chunky series just called Rogue Squadron that were the adventures of which Antilles and, and the Rogues, who were quasi-spies, dogfighting. You know, it had a lot of we referenced James Bond earlier, some of that stuff and mm. people coming together to stop specific things, but it didn't have to be, and there's now another thing that's going to destroy the galaxy. We're just on this mission for whatever reason. I, I think there's scope for that now. Clearly, you don't need lightsabers and force powers, so mm. let's let's lean more into that and do do interesting stuff in this world.
2: Yeah, I think I kind of need the the breadth of, of society and, and the impact on the planet and things. I actually quite like the four stuff and everything, but I don't think there's anything new to say. I'm fine with what is in the films. I'm quite I think maybe the Mandalorian's gonna have some interesting stuff in that, but I really like just seeing places where people live and work and do stuff mm. and how you live and work through a fascist uprising and how you do day to day life and how resistance builds and all of that and you know all the different phases of of resistance and empire that mm. star wars goes through you know andor is just one point in time and there are a lot of points in you know somehow palpatine returned i <laughs> so, remember even i remember that line <laughs> uh, from I, the internet
1: i would quite happily watch a mon motha west wing mhm mhm
3: yeah
1: expand yeah. out that i'm also Another character that I loved that we didn't talk about before is, um, uh, Cyril's mum. Yes. She's What's her life story? Biting. Yeah. And oh. so I have the, I have the concept with her as a, a workplace comedy. And she is, she keeps talking about Uncle Harlow and we don't know who this is. Mm-hmm. So I like to think that that's her nickname for Palpatine. And that's how he's <laughs> able to pull all these strings. And she was his PA. And that's how she has this connection. And so it's her earlier career while she is Palpatine's PA.
2: She's basically Mrs. Lanningham. For- yes, yes.
1: <laughs> and that Palpatine actress, West
2: Wing. The actress. Put holds at three.
1: Have you seen the um, Cohen Macbeth? Yes, mm-hmm. yes. She plays the witches. Right. Doesn't
2: mm-hmm. she just? Mm-hmm. And that's, oh, it's worth one of my favourite performances performance. in any Shakespeare, Absolutely. anything. Catherine Absolutely Hunter. stunning. Yes. Yes, she is fantastic. I'm, I'm glad you brought that. Hmm. Um, yeah, I could see that.
1: And I know we're probably running a little long for time, Matthew. I think so. I don't know if you've looked because the
2: time limit...
4: I, 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 I need to go to bed. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's just but, past my
2: bedtime, guys. I yeah. think I do
1: just want to... Okay, my final thing, and then I promise I'll be quiet uh, about this, is this has not been a flashy show. It's As we've said, it's not had the lightsabers and space mm-hmm. battles and all these things. So then I'm slightly torn because I've loved that about it. Mm. But then there was a really cool bit <laughs> when we yeah. had um, the Fondor, Luthan's ship, going mm. up against, um, I can't remember what the other thing was called. Again, let I see. Anyway, the the Empire ship. Craft. A vessel. Ship craft, yes. <laughs> um, and everything about that scene was just incredibly cool. And I just think it worked so well in the middle of this season and that just being the only bit we didn't then end up with a load of yeah. space battles and
3: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and the lightsabers potentially coming out mm-hmm. of his ship mm-hmm. which unfortunately Tony Gilroy has said no actually that wasn't in the script someone just suggested it in design and I thought it was cool so we kept it in <laughs> so no I don't think Luthan is a, a an ex-Jedi mm. Um but it was just yeah everything about that was so cool um that I may have Scream something at the TV when I saw it.
0: Nice, nice. Yeah, there, there is a, a different thing. I, I think I mentioned this when we when we were talking that we're so used to you know the piece of garbage of the Millennium Falcon and other mm-hmm. ships, and that's that's what Star Wars has always done. That now we do. Hey, what if someone had all the money in a really modern mm-hmm. ship that that didn't fall apart and need clunking and so on, that can auto aim at Tie Fighters and stick lightsabers out and chop them up and stuff, and it's a, a Abby, it's what you were saying about, you know, let's have every type of thing in Star Wars. Star Wars, whilst it looks used and a a universe that's lived in, let's also have some of the flashy, exciting toys in there as well.
2: I like that it was reasonably minimal, but it didn't forget that that is a universe where these things happen. Mm. Because, I mean, having watched the first Star Wars again, God, it goes on a bit with them. Just, I don't even know what they're doing, but there's a lot of flying (laughs) and I just, you know, anyway. Um, And I was just so... Pleased that this didn't rely on people fighting each other all the time. Mm. It was about so many more things. Uh, There was there were so many different types of interaction in this that just haven't been in Star Wars.
0: Yeah, really good for it.
2: Yeah, just just a real variety and maybe maybe that is the show that it is that is the type of thing we were missing. Just a show about kind of everything just happening. That's Mm. yeah it doesn't really it doesn't ma- matter if you like any character or not mm-hmm. because it's happening anyway you know it, it, i think that's it actually this is a show that is the show that it is it's not for you it's not about you the viewer it's about this the show mm-hmm. and when a, so much television feels very designed to engage you in a certain way or to take you on a particular journey this is just like this is the story and you already know where it's going. So you can watch if you want. Nice. It's incredibly
1: confident t- television because mm-hmm. it doesn't need a moment like the Luther moment every five minutes to keep you entertained, yeah. which I would say much. I love Mando. That is more that kind of model where there's something exciting happening every 10 minutes mm-hmm. um, to keep you entertained.
0: Whereas People this, looking cool doing stuff.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. the cool mm-hmm. element, which there's a lot mm-hmm. of in Star Wars. Um, and I love, but it didn't need to rely on that.
3: Hmm, absolutely.
0: So, thank you very much for listening. Thank you for joining us. It has been an absolute delight to get to talk about something we all love and just just kind of squeeze a little bit over it, uh, which we you know we hope we have gushed eloquently for you all. Which, speaking of which, you could find us on social media if you look up "eloquent gushing." Uh, on Smile. Instagram, on Twitter, on all sorts of places you can come and follow us and see what else we're up to. There's all sorts of podcasts and activities going on that I'm sure you will love. Uh, we will be back in the new year with more Marvel on Actual Marvelous, where we're going to talk about the new shows coming up and the movies and various different things. And if you really like what we do, you can look us up on Patreon. We love having our wonderful supporters. We love very much patreon.com slash elephant gushing to help support us and keep doing more of it. Marvelous. Star Wars plus. Give
2: <laughs> <laughs> ever just stop and think about how great the title Star Wars is. I thought this when it came up today, and you know how we talked about how we've all grown up with it, but like it just comes up on the screen like Star Wars. Good work. <laughs>